It's Tuesday, the 3rd of December, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, the Chilean president skips the COP25 climate summit as protests at home show no sign of quelling. Plus, where to now for Germany as Angela Merkel's coalition hangs in the balance? Residents of Cincinnati raise a glass in celebration of relaxed drinking laws. And our affairs editor, Christopher Cermak, takes a whirlwind trip around the world on the back of Santa's sleigh. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I'm Ben Rylan in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. It's been several weeks since protests first began in Chile. The massive uprising was sparked by something seemingly quite small, a 3.75% rise in the price of a metro ticket. But the economic impact has been much more severe than even the devastating earthquake and tsunami that struck the country in 2010. Monocle's Fernando Augusto Pacheco is here. Faye, President Sebastian Piñera has taken some steps to try and quell the unrest, but Faye, it hasn't really worked, has it? It didn't really work, Ben, so far. I mean... To be fair on him, there's been some measures. For example, quite a big measure, especially uh, in South America. Basically, the Congress approved to cut their salaries in half uh, for senators, for the president himself. So, I mean, I mean that's, that's quite a big first step, but that's not enough. Uh, I think the problems in Chile, they are very uh, ingrained in society. And it's not something that's going to be easy. It's not go- this, this, the protests are going nowhere, in my opinion. And, uh, and it's interesting because there's been uh, some polling uh, that I've read on La Tercera, Chile's uh, main national daily. 67% of Chileans, they support, uh, you know, the protests still, which is a remarkable number. It's much higher than half of the population. And the president's approval rate is dismal. It's 10% has been the lowest of any president in Chile's history. Uh, to be honest, the one before was actually himself with 14%. Uh, but now he managed to, to be even worse than that. Goodness. Uh, Fernando, given the situation that we're seeing at the moment, how is the nation coping with all of the pressure and the unrest? I mean, it's interesting because, you know, even before the protests, Chile was well known as being kind of uh, one of the most uh, growing economies in South America. They, they have quite an open economy. And they were even supposed to host the COP25, the climate change event that is happening this week uh, in Spain instead, because they, they had to cancel that because there's been so much unrest. So I think Chile was quite a respected country, the international community. But you know, things are changing. If the protests continue, I think you see that in other countries. You see that in Hong Kong, for example, as well. How much this will start affecting the economy as well. Uh, but then again, but then you have to look at the protest side. I mean, apparently, cool, Chile had a growing economy, but inequality there was was immense, you know, like, uh, you know, a very few percentage of, of the population got all the good things that came out of, of the growing uh, economy. So it, it is very difficult for Sebastian Piñera uh, to improve even a few percentage points here. Uh, I think Chileans are tired. There are a niche part of the protesters that are doing some violent protests. And they might be worried because there might be some conflict with the military in the streets which might cause uh, deaths, as we've seen before in the country. Mm, it is a, a grim set of circumstances. Fernando Augusto Pacheco will continue following the story. Thank you for joining us. The future of Germany's ruling coalition is in fresh doubt after the newly elected leaders of the Social Democrats demanded fresh concessions from Angela Merkel's party. There's now the prospect of fresh elections in Germany sometime in 2020. 
Stephanie Bolton is a correspondent for the German newspaper Die Welt. Well, what is very interesting about these new leaders that um, me personally will not be an exception saying that I have hardly ever heard their names before. So uh, it's Norbert Walter um, Eskens and uh, Saskia Eskens, I think they are called. They came a bit out of the blue. So there was a very long um, process in uh, among the membership to see uh, who would now um, follow uh, Andrea Nahles. She was the leader of the SPD until the summer and was very unpopular. And actually, until Saturday evening, everybody was thinking that the new leader would be uh, Olaf Scholz, the uh, um, incumbent finance minister. And then these two came kind of out of the blue and, and, and won the race. If you look at the polls in the membership of the SPD, the majority of membership wants leadership. It's now uh, for the first time a duo. So it's a woman and a man who are more left leaning. The SPD uh, membership is very, very unhappy about uh, the course that uh, the party has gone for now many, many years. They have been in a coalition with the CDU um, since 2017 and they were in a coalition before so we have actually seen almost now 10 years of a coalition between the two big parties and the membership thinks that um, Angela Merkel has basically taken away the whole profile of the SPD so all the left-leaning politics like uh, minimum wage um, gay marriage all these things socially uh, progressive but also um, economically progressive have been well to the benefit of Angela Merkel and the junior uh, partner who uh, the SPD has been for such a long time has really lost profile and in, with every election their pollings have gone down. To Cincinnati now where residents are raising a glass after city officials decided to relax laws governing when and where people are allowed to drink outside. Monocle's Nick Manis is here without a glass in hand, at least not yet anyway. Uh, Nick, tell us, what are some of the changes that are taking place here? No, not not during work hours, Ben, but uh, <laughs> in, in Cincinnati, uh, actually it's a suburb of Cincinnati actually in Kentucky, uh, Bellevue, they are permitting drinking now from midday till 10pm on Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays. And this is a, quite a significant change given that most of the country, uh, in, in most of the country, drinking in public is illegal. Uh, and you know, you know, there are exceptions like New Orleans and Las Vegas. And, and what we're actually seeing, and, and Bellevue's one of them, is, is a trend of smaller areas, uh, smaller municipalities sort of relaxing their laws in their central entertainment districts. And, and that's what they've done in Bellevue. So they've approved venues in an approved area and you're allowed to carry your drinks between said venues in approved cup. I mean, everything needs to be approved. But it's, it's an important step in terms of, I guess, relaxing drinking regulations, which I think is a good thing for these cities and municipalities because it does encourage people to come out to spend money in their local bars and restaurants and, and spend time in their civic areas. Uh, I was in Zurich at the weekend with our editor-in-chief, Tyler Brule, and, and he mentioned that you know we were out outside, outside of our own bureau, having a, a mulled wine, and, and he pointed out, well, in, in some parts of the world, in some unexpected pockets of the globe, just having a mulled wine out of a cup would be illegal once you step outside the front door. It is, of course, a far cry from a city we both know quite well, uh, Sydney. The infamous lockout laws there, they've pretty much decimated the city's nightlife. They're due to be axed as of January. Nick, critics will say that relaxed drinking laws will just inevitably lead to more violence and crime. That's certainly what a lot of people have been saying in Sydney over the years. What does the research tell us? Well, I mean, I mean, they introduced the lockout laws, which uh, obviously restricted entry to venues as, as well as the times that venues were able to sell drinks from. So there was there was a cutoff period, and and what we did see is we 
did see a drop in violence in the city uh, and, and a drop in King's Cross as well. But what perhaps they haven't been reporting on necessarily is that we saw a significant rise in alcohol-fueled violence in other parts of the city. So the violence just moved to where the venues were open. So I guess the lesson here is that it is, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately probably going to happen. Uh, and that, that probably more relies on good citizenship and people doing the right thing. But the lockout laws didn't actually change the behaviours. And, and, and a similar thing happened in Brisbane, in, in Queensland, where they had similar lockout laws. And, and what they actually found was that people were preloading and drinking more before going out to the venues. So you had even more of an issue. You had people rocking up incredibly drunk to these spots, causing even more problems. In Europe, I guess people are, people are sort of trusted uh, to do the right thing and they're going to do the right thing. And it isn't a problem just to have a, a little drink. Um, Denmark is a country I looked at in terms of laws because I was there recently. And and you're allowed to drink in the street, uh, but just don't disturb law and order. That, that's their simple policy. You can you can do what you want as long as you're not being a nuisance. And I think that's what, that's what these American cities are moving towards. And I, I think that's what the Australian cities like Sydney and Brisbane uh, have started to shift back towards because they've realised that there really isn't a benefit in, in, I guess, telling people when and where they can drink. Seems almost as if it was never an issue to do with hospitality at all and perhaps more about culture and law enforcement. Uh, Nick Manise, Common Sense Prevails. Thank you. And finally today, our ever-merry affairs editor, Christopher Cermak, follows in the footsteps of Father Christmas with this whirlwind look at the world this festive season. When I moved to Germany seven years ago, it didn't take long for somebody to mention the television comedy Dinner for One. You must watch it, they would say, but be sure to wait until New Year's Eve. So it's a German program, I'd ask? No, it's in English, comes the response. Don't they watch it in the US or the UK? As the comedy, really an extended sketch, begins, a German announcer appears to explain that you will see a play about an old lady, Miss Sophie, and her butler, James. Verehrtes Publikum, meine Damen und Herren, wir befinden uns hier auf dem Landsitz von Miss Sophie. Every year he throws her a birthday party where he plays all four guests, long-perished friends of the 90-year-old hostess. James gets increasingly drunk as he shares several toasts in his multiple characters and eventually, suggestively, takes Miss Sophie to bed. Now here's the strange part. This sketch originally played in UK seaside towns in the 1950s and 60s, but it only became beloved in Germany after a producer invited the two UK actors to record it for a German TV show in 1963. It's since become a German New Year's tradition. Meanwhile, most people in the UK have still never heard of it. It only played on television here for the first time in 2018. As someone who's moved from country to country throughout my life, I enjoy stumbling across quirky traditions like dinner for one and eventually working them into my own. That's what integrating is all about, not replacing your own traditions but adding new ones to your repertoire. Other habits I picked up in Germany include a love of apple wine and grüne Soße, which is green sauce of the central Hesse region. One thing I didn't assimilate from my many years in Frankfurt was Handkäsmit Musik. You'll have to look that one up. Trust me, it's worth it. Now that I've moved to London, it's time to add some new ones. And I don't just mean the pounds that come from eating mince pies. So be sure to let me know your quirkiest. Is everybody here? Indeed they are, yes, yes. 
Monocle's very own Christmas elf, Christopher Cermak there. That's all in today's program. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I'm Ben Ryland. The Monocle Minute returns on Wednesday.